coming up on Philosophy Talk. It's our sixth annual summer reading list. I came here to strangle you. Nothing I wrote was untrue. What do you mean? That book makes me have to be like Lee Harvey Oswald. It's an honest account of our marriage. Summer is a time for many things. Catching up on the garden, heading to the beach, exotic vacations in foreign lands. But the best thing about summer? Catching up on books you've always meant to read. But I'm narcissistic. Don't you think you're a little self-obsessed? And, and, and misanthropic and self-righteous. And... Well, I wrote some nice things about you. Like what? What? Like what? Like you cry when you see God with the wind. What book should thoughtful people be reading this summer? Look, I better warn you. I've had some interest in this book for a movie sale. It's our annual summer reading show. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, it's our annual summer reading show. Ken, we've got a really bright audience. That's clear when they phone in on regular times, and it's particularly clear on this show when we get such interesting suggestions for reading. By the end of the show, we're going to have a list up on our website that will keep any intelligent person busy all summer long. Yeah, we're going to talk to some uh, readers and thinkers who have been guests on this show about their summer reading plans, and we're also going to hear lots of suggestions from those well-read listeners you mentioned. But let's get started with some picks of our own. I'm going to spend a fair amount of time this summer reading books by the German author Bernard Schlink. That's S-C-H-L-I-N-K. Schlink is the author of The Reader, which was made into a great movie a couple years ago. I I love that movie. I know you love that movie because we gave it a Dionysus Award. That's our answer to the Oscars. We gave it a Dionysus Award a couple years ago for Best Moral Dilemma. But Schlink has written far more than that. So give us some examples. Well, for one thing, he has a number of pretty good detective novels. I read some of these after I read The Reader. His detective's name is Self, so they have cool names like Self's Punishment and Self's Deception and Self's Murder. If you like mystery and crime novels, you'll like these. Now, the titles sound very philosophical of those. Are those as philosophical as the reader? Well, for mystery novels, they're sort of philosophical, but no, not not as morally deep as the reader. But he's got two other fiction books that sound like they continue with these deep themes of guilt and memory that we found in the reader. And he's also got a nonfiction book called Guilt About the Past based on lectures at Oxford. In fact, it sounds like philosophy and criticism mixed together. You sound like you're really getting into Schlink, man. Well, I have uh, a sort of a curiosity about him. He and I are both war babies. I was born in the U.S. in 1943 as we were starting to win the war. And he was born in Germany in 1944 when they were well into losing it. I find the experience of Germans of my generation very intriguing. So tell us more about uh, the Schlink books you plan to read. Well, the novel is The Homecoming. Its protagonist is someone about Schlink's age, but not during the era uh, uh, explored in the reader, but a little later, during the era of East and West Germany. One reviewer called it his most powerful and disquieting book. So I'm really looking forward to lying on the beach and being disquieted. So, Ken, what's your plans for this summer's reading? Well, my reading list has a distinctive feature this summer. I have lots of projects this summer. I want to read stuff that's fun, but it's got to be short. Short poetry, short prose, short form. I'm reading only short form this summer. Well, give us what's on the top of the list. Well, for example, 
one of my favorite authors, one of the most provocative thinkers alive today, Nassim Taleb. We've had him on our program. He wrote The Black Swan. He's now written a book called The Bed of Procrustes. It's a book of aphorisms, right? They're short aphorisms, standalone. And he says, and one of the things he says is that only nerds ask for a- explanation of aphorisms. So they're little short things. I'll give you an example. Give us a couple of Taleb's better aphorisms. Well, I don't know about better, but here's one. The person you are the most afraid to contradict is yourself. An idea starts to be interesting when you get scared of taking it to its logical conclusion. Now, all these aphorisms, what they have in common, this is a bed of Procrustes. Mm-hmm. You know, Procrustes put the short people in the long bed and tried to stretch them out and put the long people in the short bed and tried to cut their extremities off to make the person fit the bed rather than the bed fit the person. Taleb thinks that's what the human mind is like. That's what human life is like. We don't know how to deal with black swans. We don't know how to adjust. Our brains are evolved for the Stone Age, and we're in this modern informational age, and we just don't know what to make of it. And instead of writing a long, discursive thing to illustrate that, he's got all the hundreds of pithy aphorisms. But you can read each one in a few seconds. If you're on the beach, you can go take a swim, come back, read a few more, go have lunch, read a few more. It's perfect for the way I intend to approach my summer. Well, as the show goes on, Ken, I'm going to try to get you to share a couple of more of these short things from your list. But in a moment, we'll be joined by our first guest, someone who pays close attention to literary developments. That's John McMurtry, book critic at the San Francisco Chronicle. First, our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Ash, wonders what teenagers are reading this summer. She files this report. Novels for young adults are rife with moral and ethical dilemmas. They deal with heavy issues like suicide, abuse, and cruelty. But they can also be light and funny and filled with fantasy. There's J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye, or Forever by Judy Bloom. We all have a memorable book from our youth that stays with us like a first kiss. Mine was a novel called Tenderness by Robert Cormier, about a runaway girl who falls in love with a serial killer. I read that book over and over. I really liked The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls. Right now, I'm reading Iona, The Lost Dragon Eye. It's a sequel to Eon, Dragon Eye Reborn. The one I really liked that I've read recently would be 13 Reasons Why. Things she was saying in the book I could relate to, like peer pressure and gossip. One of the books I'm going to be recommending this year is called Trash by Andy Mulligan. Emma Coleman is a children's librarian at the Berkeley Public Library. Trash is a book about three teenagers who pick through a dump site to survive in an unnamed third world country. Then one day, they find something that could change their lives forever, and they're faced with a dilemma. Do they steal $6 million that's been siphoned off the public coffers by a corrupt politician? You have no question in your mind that absolutely they should. They should. And so you're, you know, it's a story where you're rooting for three kids to get away with what is ostensibly a crime. The children find a mysterious key. Doors, locks, and keys become a motif throughout the book. The young heroes are forced to navigate the gritty, stinking reality of absolute poverty. There's even a scene where a policeman beats one of the street kids. But there's also beauty, hope, and redemption in the book Trash. Here's another summer reading recommendation from teen librarian Will Marston. Shipbreaker by Paolo Bagchicalupi is a wonderful uh, science fiction book. Shipbreaker is set in a post-apocalyptic water world where sea level has risen and wiped out coastal cities. Like Mulligan's Trash, Bacicalupi's novel is about a teenage scavenger of sorts. 17-year-old Naylor cruises around the Gulf Coast looking for shipwrecks to pillage. 
And one day, he finds a ship that's brimming with treasure. And inside, along with all these treasures, they find one survivor, a young girl, and they have the choice of killing her. So what do they do? Naylor's drug-addicted father would have him slit the girl's throat and steal her riches. But the boy decides not to and suffers the consequences. In this book, human extravagance has destroyed the world. The characters are left in a brutal, ugly landscape. When you're dealing with survival like that, what kind of, how does that affect family issues, loyalty among friends, and uh, doing the right thing? Another book that deals with death is Before I Fall by Lauren Oliver. This recommendation comes from Joy Shiosta, also at the Berkeley Public Library. Some people have described the book as a cross between Mean Girls and Groundhog Day, in that the main character starts out as very shallow, high school student, and often very cruel to some of her peers. But then the main character, Sam, dies in a car accident. And she has the opportunity to relive her last day, not once, but seven times, until she gets it right. And she changes a lot during the novel. Friendship and bullying come up a lot in these novels. Whether set in a dump, a post-apocalyptic water world, or a regular high school. Which is perhaps why these books have become so popular. Teens can relate. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Esch. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.